Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host, and thank you once again for joining us for another edition of Blunt Business, presented by Strainwise Consulting here on CannabisRadio.com. Of course, like we said, the show is presented by Strainwise Consulting. For more information, go to StrainwiseConsulting.com. This week, we are here to talk about extraction. And I know we talk about that quite a bit up across the board, but uh, one to always bring different leaders and uh, thought leaders in the industry, uh, especially in the area of extraction. It's very important to those in the industry uh, that listen to our network. And so we're happy to go ahead and bring aboard Pete Patterson. He's the COO and co-founder of Vitalis Extraction Technology. Now, Vitalis produces sophisticated, high-flowing, industrial-scale, supercritical CO2 extraction systems for the cannabis industry. So without further ado, Pete, welcome to Cannabis Radio. Hey, thank you very much for having us. Our pleasure. Thanks again for making time. So, an interesting backstory with your team as we get started here. Some of your team, I learned, originally worked in the oil and gas industry. So, talk to me about the transition into cannabis. So, it's a really good question. Um, the Vitalis team, we have uh, three co-founders, myself, James Seabrook, and Joel Sherlock. Uh, James Seabrook is actually the one that comes out of the oil and gas industry, um, professional engineer, uh, with the uh, mechanical engineering background, and uh, Joel and myself actually come from the uh, the cannabis world. We owned a private equity fund that was actually investing into the legal cannabis space. And really, the merger between the two, or how we ended up, you know, finding somebody from oil and gas, and um, how that led into the cannabis industry, which was, you know, we were investing into the industry. Um, we were buying these machines, um, supercritical fluid extraction systems, um, and you know, there's. Uh, there's some really great providers of, uh, of smaller systems that were out there. And we just saw an opportunity for large commercial scale uh, systems. And um, in terms of chatting with, uh, you know, looking at opportunities out there, um, we'd approached uh, a firm actually that uh, James was working for. And uh, Joel and I had the idea of building these systems. And um, basically we were going to run like a sales and marketing arm and then have uh, contract manufacturing. Right. And I can and, imagine uh, that going out of that industry, just so corporate, so you know, tightly controlled, and dealing just with—I uh, can only—I just kind of feel like it's something out of Dallas or something like that. When I'd imagine a whole scenario going in my head, <laughs> right? A little bit of the Ewing kind of empire, you know? Who's Jr. and who's Bobby, right? Uh, <laughs> yep. Well, either which way, you, um, you got it. More or less, I would just think it'd be like that. So now. You were just making mentioning. I want to go and ask the question about the similarity. What similarities are there between the production and the processes between the industries you were able to pick up? That, uh, for, between the industries, production and processes, what is it that you picked up right away that are similar? Well, so the things that we found that were, say, crossing over from the oil and gas that were necessary for the cannabis industry, the first one was compliance and certifications. In the oil and gas industry, you're dealing with monster pressures. Um, you're dealing with very, very heavy equipment. So making sure that all of this equipment is built to the proper safety certifications is absolutely critical. Um, Safety authorities are crawling up and down oil and gas sites right now just making sure that um, they can see the registration of of all sorts of uh, a range of different equipment. 
So that's a big component that we noticed um, at the time when we launched this company that wasn't visible within the cannabis industry. The cannabis industry was very um, used to operating in the gray and the black, right? So certification to that, right? So that was one of the major components. Additionally, taking a look at the industrial and scalability of it, oil and gas needs to run 24-7. If you look at the value um, of the production that's coming out of oil and gas and the demand for it, um, the systems that our engineers were designing in the oil and gas industry, um, they had to run 24-7. Um, and if it broke down, um, they had to be able to service it immediately. Uh, downtime was uh, a, da- a bad word, a very bad word. So... Uh, that was absolutely something additional that was critical with it too, right? And then also, um, I can then, imagine also the volatility, yeah. the danger that would also be behind working in that industry as well. You got it, right? So training around the equipment and then that, that robustness of the equipment. Like we talked about certification, we talked about um, the uptime of it, right? But then also that robustness, the ease of use, um, the operability, that also has to be able to um, to, to meet the, the necessities of the oil and gas industry because you did have a rotation of staff, for example. Um, on the other side of things, you had shift work coming in and out, people working very long hours. And, you know, the cannabis industry is very demanding. Everybody that's working in this industry understands that uh, we're being called on to do something that uh, nobody's done yet with the, do, uh, with the regulation of this industry, uh, with the end of prohibition. Um, we are we're inventing stuff. We are being called on really just to do a lot of work to bring this industry to where it needs to be. And because of that, um, the equipment that people are going to be operating uh, needs to be to that standard as well. Okay, let's move along. Now, we've talked, we have a show that actually deals specifically with extraction without naming here on the air, but um, I never got a chance to go and learn from uh, some of the talks that we've had. Why is it that CO2 extraction leads the way as the go-to process as opposed to using nitrogen or other various methods that I've learned about in all my interviews on the road. Uh, tell me about that and why is it the, the leader? Uh, CO2 is the leader in, say, if you look outside of the cannabis industry right now and you look at the essential oils industry, um, and that's essentially what we're trying to make here um, from the cannabis product is, is an essential oil and then taking that into a uh, you know, myriad of different products. Um, really what, what's happening is we're seeing the best practices being brought from outside of industries saying what's working really well. And CO2 is a proven technology. Uh, it's a solvent that's widely accessible. It's an organic solvent. Um, and it's fairly simple to work with. Um, so, and the, the instrumentation or the equipment, um, it has, you know, it's, it's not overly inexpensive, but it's also, you know, it's not so expensive that it creates major barriers to entry either. So saying that, there are other solvents that we see widely used um, are, you know, the, the, the hydrocarbons and organic solvents um, between, say, propane, butane, ethanol. Those are, those are very widely used as well. Um, it's just really depending on the type of products that um, you're looking to pass through to your end consumer. Um, CO2 seems to be also um, a type of solvent that can be used that creates a, a myriad of products. Um, now, that creates a wide vari- variability of products. Now, Prior, because of your experience, did you try testing extraction with uh, oil or ga- oil or gas-based uh, products first? Yeah. So with our private equity fund, um, we were we've invested into um, propane, butane. So in my past life, when I was working with that private equity fund, um, we'd have we've had and worked with those types of solvents. Um, 
great solvents, and there's some really uh, outstanding organizations um, that are working and providing equipment um, with those types of uh, um, with those types of solvents. It really just came down to say the core values or, or what we wanted to provide as an organization, and we saw a lot of groups that were making um, systems uh, for these organic solvents, and we didn't really see a gap in the market there um, on the CO2 side of things. Uh, we, we really did. We, we believed in the CO2 as a solvent product, as a, as a piece of equipment and the types of products it was making. Um, we believed that we could make a product that would, or say a piece of equipment that would provide the quality that people were looking for. Um, previously, um, some of the CO2 equipment, it ran at fairly high pressures and fairly hot, so it burned off all the terpenes. And actually, like in the cannabis industry, it's interesting. Um, like say about five, six years ago, people weren't associating um, CO2 extracts with terpene profiles um, versus in the rest of the world when you look at the essential oils that's why they use CO2 so they can grab a um, grab that full range of terpene profiles and so we, we wanted to make sure that we made a machine that could be able to do that and produce that quality and um, yeah and then also at that industrial scale we really were looking to bring a piece of equipment to or, or, or many pieces of equipment to the industry um, that were much larger um, and that we felt that actually would meet the demand um, of where uh, we saw this industry going um, as it continued to say consolidate and grow. I want to just take a second, go into a direction about that, uh, about the fact that of the difference in industries, and the fact yeah. that with the cannabis industry, you know, well, traditionally in oil and gas, and just in certain industries, you know, say agriculture, farming, sugar industry. I live here in South Florida, and that's a very prominent industry. Always concerns about environmentally conscious. Uh, any pollutions mm-hmm. that you're not dropping something like Monsanto or DDT into the into the ground when you're trying to go yeah. ahead and grow and extract. So those kind of scenarios, obviously, it looks like the cannabis industry much more conscious and much more environmentally focused in that respect. Do you see that difference? Mm-hmm. You really do. Like there's a culture that's associated, not just the four twenty culture, the marijuana culture, but there there truly is this um, this this cannabis culture that surrounds. Um, Organic. Uh, it's just the consumption of yeah, it's, or the consumption of cannabis and its medicinal use. And the moment that I started throwing stuff at like heavy pesticides, heavy metals, um, hydrocarbons, um, that you know, I'm trying to treat somebody for for cancer, but on the other side of it, um, I'm looking at something that actually is a known carcinogen. Um, you know, <laughs> where's the give and take, right? So it's 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 doing things responsibly. And, and those groups that I see out there that are utilizing hydrocarbons that are purging their products appropriately. Um, that's the right move. Where you know they're spending 72 hours plus uh, putting these things in back ovens, like they're they're extracting the back ovens and purging them, um, rather than just rushing it through the extraction process, rushing it through the purging process, and just tossing it into some sort of end product. People that respect the end consumer um, are really the ones that I think that are going to um, uh, evolve in this industry, right? And, and really take continue to take that leadership. And that's, that's who we continue to support. And we think that the CO2 products um, really do embody um, that type of say, value proposition and as well as that culture. We're going to step out to a commercial break real early. Uh, got a few things I want to ask you when it comes to your extraction system. Let's go into the actual equipment. Let's talk about compliance coming up. And we'll talk about uh, plans for expansion within uh, Vitals. We'll talk all about that coming up on the other side here on Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, 
shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back with Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. Pete Patterson, the COO and co-founder of Vitalis Extraction Technology, joins us. So, Pete, we were talking before the break. wanted to go and talk to you about the equipment. Let's get down and dirty into the machinery. So you offer the Vitalis Q&R series systems, and they're meant to be, quote, future-proofing our clients' businesses, meaning they're designed to expand for increased output and volume. So when it's time to scale and expand, no matter the company size, your machines will be able to meet the growth needs without a complete replacement. So talk to me about that. Uh, Love to. So when we look at the Q-Series, probably I'd say last year that was our best-selling piece of equipment. Um, And the Q-Series is a system which has uh, a 45-liter extraction vessel, the ability to add on another 45-liter extraction vessel, if you look at the back-end um, infrastructure, there's a refrigeration system, power unit, um, water heater, that type of stuff um, that's attached to this um, extraction and separation assembly almost. And so when we talk about scalability, it's really being able to scale up. Um, one, we have a number of customers that say start with a Q45, for example, and then they add another 45-liter extraction vessel. They just have now doubled their um, extraction capacity. On top of that, um, groups will then add another, say, what's called a, um, a separation and extraction frame to that and still keep that same back-end infra- infrastructure so they don't have to redo anything along those lines. And then, once again, double from, say, 90 liters all the way up to 100 liters of extraction capacity. What we're now seeing groups doing is taking that same frame, and because we've designed this 200-liter system, so it's a, a dual 100-liter uh, extraction vessel, um, what they're doing is they're taking off the 45-liter extraction vessels and we're adding on um, a 100-liter extraction vessel. Same frames, um, just slight modifications. The systems are already set up to be able to, to basically bolt on and to, to add these modifications to it in field. And so as this, as their companies continue to grow, we can continue to scale up and expand their systems in a very modular approach. Um, the beauty of, uh, approach of this is, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. We deal with many entrepreneurs in this industry. Um, cash is king, and we don't always know where this industry is going. We don't always know what products are going to be, say, the, the hot products that are in demand uh, next month or in a couple of years or, or how regulations may change. 
Um, what we do know is that if, if we do things right, we can continue to grow our customer base and then scale upon that. And that, that's, that's that focus, you know, as I built my business, or as we, I should say, as, as our founders and our team, as we built this business, um, we continue to scale up on our success. And rather than, say, just invest everything into capital equipment in the beginning, um, we scale and we grew with our customers and with this industry. And that's the same advice that we want to give to the entrepreneurs that we're working with, which is um, you don't have to go and buy, say, five R200s right away or, you know, the biggest, baddest system in the world right away. Um, the first things first, like set up a customer base, um, set up a distribution base, um, find your, your plant material to go in, set up your processes, and then scale upon that success. And, uh, and our company and our equipment's uh, right behind them to be able to help facilitate that. Sounds like a plan. Let's talk about compliance. One change you said you hope to see across the board for cannabis industry regulations is required in-field inspections of processing equipment. Now, you cited that California already requires that state-level engineers evaluate processing equipment on-site for safety. And I've heard some stories here, and I've heard rumblings about where California, you know, they, they could use some work in, you know, trying to keep with the standards of other states that are looking to try to keep a very high level of compliance. For yourselves specifically, talk about the type of quality control and compliance standards your team has set in place. Uh-huh. So that's a fun one. Uh, <laughs> we, yeah, it, it really is, right? Now we have, what, 56 employees right now, and um, we just actually finished a, a management lunch with our groups. And it was a question that, um, because we just hired so many new employees, I asked that direct question to my quality manager and my production manager. Hey, we have all these new employees. How are we managing the quality that's coming out of it? Um, and so the answer that I got back was exactly what I wanted to be able to hear, um, which is one training, job shadowing, um, every single piece of machined equipment goes through its tolerance test before it ever actually gets put onto our own pieces of equipment. Um, even though this industry is growing really fast, we don't rush anything that's out the door, um, which is which is great. So as we're putting stuff onto our equipment, um, our quality managers are keeping a very close eye on um, yeah the process. Um, on the fabrication side, we have a quality manager dedicated to fabrication. They're checking their tolerances. Um, they're also checking, yeah, the quality of output of the material, all the way back from um, the actual material that's being put into the system. We have third-party eyes that are on us as well. Because of our ASME certification, so ASME, American uh, Society for Mechanical Engineers, um, we have uh, this, the local safety authority. So in our case, we're up here in British Columbia, Canada. Um, the BC Safety Authority is inside of our shop once a week. Um, auditing, looking at our processes. Uh, they were just in our shop yesterday and the day before. Um, and they actually come, all, come along and, and put the stamps on our pressure vessels when they are certified. Um, and so lots of third-party eyes on it as well to make sure that um, it's reaching those certifications. Um, and then once we have everything you know, pinned to the machine, um, or I should say pinned to the frame, and the machine's ready for operating, um, we don't send it out the door until we also do our own um, IQ and OQ. So that's actually part of a, a GMT testing procedures, right? Uh, instrument quality and uh, operational quality, and uh, installation quality, I should say, and operational quality uh, uh, test. And so what we're looking for is when we'll process the machine, no material, but we'll process the machine, drive on the machine, at our facility through the um, highest ratings that we can, lowest ratings that we can, all to GMP standards and certificate or uh, GMP compliance um, to make sure that we are checking off all the boxes, all the instrumentation is working properly, um, all the mechanics are working properly, and then the machine is doing exactly as we expect it to do and exactly as the customer expects you to do. From there, we wrap it up, ship it out, 
And then when it gets to our customer site, there's a second level check um, of a quality control. Same thing that's in line with that GMP types of compliance, where it's that IQ and OQ, so installation quality check and then operational quality check. So we go through that exact same test parameters after it's installed on our customer site so that we can ensure that, yes, it's meeting our exact parameters that, that we are expecting, and additionally, it's meeting the exact parameters that the customer is expecting. And when we sign off, the customer signs off, and happy extracting. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you got a good uh, grasp on compliance when it comes to what you guys are putting in place. Now, one of your fellow co-founders you had mentioned already here on the show, Joel Sherlock, he said yeah. recently about the global recent global expansion plans you have now being put in place. Quote, global market increase brings new and returning customers, meaning we have to increase capacity and productivity on every level. We're adding the headcount and growing our workspace, which will empower us to double our, double our daily system output while driving new research and development. What factors or trends did you see that your team see that made you decide to go for this aggressive move. Now you always talk about, you know, with machinery, don't buy the biggest machinery, but for you guys, you obviously have seen quite a bit of growth and you've seen quite a bit of profit. So you're putting a big move towards growing even bigger. We really are, right? Um, we're in a solid position. I, I'm not trying to sound ostentatious by any means, but um, we're in a very solid position from an organizational perspective. Um, uh, very financially strong as an organization. We have three owners. We own the company 100% uh, and no debt, which is a very strong position to be in. And so we've been, we've been fortunate enough to be able to reinvest back into the organization. And it, it's funny being, being a company um, in a position that we are right now. And what I mean by that is uh, we get calls from all over the world. And we have a, an interesting purge or a view of what this industry is up to. And we get calls from South America, Europe, uh, Africa, um, even um, over from um, like Asia, for example. And so understanding, you know, what we're seeing there, what that pipeline looks like, um, that's where we start to make those strategic investments is because we start to see a pipeline developing and start getting you know, more interest in equipment. Um, and it might, just, might not just be a phone call, but like actually serious interest with people that have, you know, capital facility licensing, um, some of the standards that are really required for, for doing extraction. Um, we do several trips a year over to Europe. I just came back from Europe um, uh, last month. I was there for, for about a week and a half. And then uh, actually Joel and myself will be over there in October. Um, and then uh, investing into our footprint in Europe. We, uh, because we see a huge opportunity for that. Um, a number of different groups are trying to take a, a, mo a modest probably isn't the right, um, a cautionary approach to expansion. And so they're expanding through dealership networks. Um, and that's a very traditional approach for, for mature industries. Um, we haven't seen the dealership networks being very um, reliable uh, because this is such an immature industry, especially as we expand throughout you know, South America and as well as throughout Europe. Um, so our approach to our expansion is going to be or is um, a, direct, um, a, a direct footprint or a direct operation. So we're opening up, um, actually I think it's probably the first time I've said this publicly, but we're opening up a, a service and warranty warehouse um, as long as, along with hiring service and warranty staff um, in Europe. And so that first warehouse is actually uh, being located in Denmark. And then uh, looking at another uh, secondary warehouse somewhere in South Europe. And it'll be Vitalis staff. We're transplanting some of our Canadian staff over there to do that cross-training and shadowing. Um, and then hiring local feed on the street to be able to manage our local customers over there. 
um, one of the biggest components um, that our customers talk to us about, which is time on this equipment. If imagine, like you know, imagine you're creating thirty, forty thousand dollars a day in revenue on on a system, and then it goes down for a week because you're waiting on a couple valves or whatever it may be. That opportunity cost um, is is immense, and, and it's interesting because it's not like um, these systems have a lot of um, underutilized capacity. The, the demand for cannabis products is so much that. Uh, so for a lot of these companies that have established brands, as much as they make, it goes out the door. And as soon as they stop making it, they're, they're basically losing that, that, that cash flow, right? And so our, our commitment to our customers is really just, you know, we're going to be there for you guys. Um, and that same world-class support that you get from us in North America, you'll have over in Europe, you'll have over in South America. We now have employees down in South America as well, um, servicing our customers down there. So it really is... Um, yeah, it's a little bit more of an aggressive methodology to expansion, but like I said, like from that perch that we have and what we see globally happening, we're very confident in, uh, in, in the moves that we're making right now. Right, and I'll tell you, the idea of going global, I mean, that's, I haven't heard a lot of companies that are willing to make that step, but obviously there's a lot of money being put right now into Canada, and obviously the investments being done within the uh, cannabis companies within you know, uh, Canada. So the idea of going out, and I can tell you that we uh, here at Cannabis Radio – you know, the tens of thousands of listeners that listen to this program, the millions of listeners that listen every month to the network in general, with listeners that are definitely growing out from Europe to Australia and whatnot, I'm sure they are more than happy to go and hear that Vitalis is making their way closer to their neck of the woods, and we're so happy to go and have the chance to let you uh, share about that. One thing before we go to break, I wanted to ask a question. This is just for my own curiosity, something a little bit basic, mm-hmm. a one-on-one question, because... I don't know if anybody's ever answered this on the air on our network. When it comes to the CO2 okay. extraction process your systems produce, the hotbed term yes. for extraction is labeled supercritical. What's the importance of uh, that label? <laughs> supercritical is just a phase. Um, and really, it's, 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 a, it's a term that's used as, as a marketing term. Um, like really, our systems are a CO2 extraction system. And as a solvent, like you're breathing CO2 right now. Right, and um, and it's gas form CO2 or carbon dioxide as a non-solvent. If you add some pressure and uh, cool it, it actually becomes a liquid, um, about the same density as water, and that can actually act as a solvent, and which is uh, known as a subcritical CO2. Right, um, if you rapidly decompress that, so release the pressure. Um, it'll actually form dry ice. And that's how, if you ever bought dry ice or anything along those lines, that's how they make dry ice. Is they take liquid CO2, they rapidly decompress it, and it forms blocks of dry ice. Now, supercritical. Supercritical has been a very good solvent. Um, supercritical CO2 is really um, adding enough heat and adding enough pressure where um, the diffusibility, it'll have the same diffusibility as a gas, but the same density or similar density as a liquid. And so you get this fog-like substance um, and that's used in the extraction process. And so when people are utilizing CO2, one of the benefits of CO2 is the selectability. You can change the phases of your solvent, so either from liquid or supercritical, and even while you're in liquid, you can increase the pressures, um, increase the temperature a little bit, and as you tweak that combination of temperature and pressure, you can change the selectability or basically what constituents you may be pulling out of your organic material. And so supercritical really is it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a faster way of extracting than subcritical. And um, it's, uh, yeah, hot and fast, and, and you get uh, a fairly, uh, 
efficient extraction uh, methodology. So if anybody asks, listen, if some of the some of you that are listening in here and you're kind of just a novice into the cannabis industry and you're just trying to learn this extraction, trying to get your hands around this, wrapped around the whole concept, at least you got the answer what supercritical means if you're trying to figure out that term. So that and, and you come cool, away with that. So and on our Instagram, there's um, there's actually a video on our Instagram, and you can see liquid CO2 moving wow. to its supercritical state. Um, and so it's about, I don't know, maybe four or five rows down, and depending on when you're listening to this <laughs> podcast. But uh, if you scroll down our Instagram page, um, you'll actually see it. And it basically just looks like a sight glass, and you'll see the liquid in there. And then after about five seconds, you'll see it actually convert to this foggy substance. And that's supercritical CO2. Now, what's the username for on Instagram for that? Uh, Vitalis ET, I believe. And I believe Vitalis ET, that's across the board for the .com and for uh, any other places we can find you socially, correct? Yeah, so our, our website is vitalisET.com. Yeah. All right, perfect. We'll bring that up again if you mention uh, later on the show. But we're going to go to our final commercial break when we come back. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, what's going on in Canada because you're in that neck of the woods and a little bit of forecasting. So stick around, everybody. More Blunt Business coming up after this here on CannabisRadio.com. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. We're on the home stretch right now. We're joined again by Pete Patterson from Vitalis Extraction Technology. And a few other questions that I have for you. Um, once again, uh, we're presented by Strainwise Consulting. Learn more at strainwiseconsulting.com. Let's talk about Canada. The hotbed, we're only, what, five, six weeks away as we record this show from federal legalization. Congratulations. And, you know, you may mention, I'm just going to repeat a few things. So you mentioned that you're building you know, into 50, 60,000 square feet of space in British Columbia. You're hiring a slew of new staff. 
Now, yes. in terms of investing into your own company, uh, is there any investment that you're doing right now into the eventual cannabis market boom that's soon to be created by federal legalization in Canada? Our investments really are into supporting our customers. Um, we won't be going out and getting any, um, say, licenses, for example, to extract. Um, we we feel that uh, we don't want to get into competition with our customers, um, even though it is a, a very advantageous uh, advantageous play. Like we've been seeing some of the valuations of uh, many of our customer base here in Canada. It's exciting what's going on right now, but. Uh, we, we want to stick to our core competencies. Um, we're equipment manufacturers. We know the extraction will be very, very well through our strategic partners with our customers. But in terms of Vitalis yeah, getting a license um, and going after it ourselves, um, very, very likely not. Okay, all right. But, but, but if you wanted to chat about Canada, um, <laughs> yeah, Canada's a fun one. <laughs> well, we've talked a nausea about Canada, and it's just a matter of, you know, there's so much to be looked at, and then, you know, just to see how everything plays out. You know, we've seen all the investment. That, that was one thing I noticed, just that, you know, we, we were able to report all the different investment that was going on between different companies, mergers, I mean, billions of dollars being thrown at in, in different directions throughout the market. So it's just, there's a lot to be seen, and we're looking forward to that. And just see how it plays out going into 2019. There's a lot to be looked at, so it's going to be fun to watch. Now, that's also still a relatively new company. You opened your doors in 2016. Did you think, right. knowing what you've done in the industry, you know, in your experience, did you think things would come up this fast and, and turn out this fast? <laughs> Probably the most common things we hear from internally at our organization and also chatting with customers. Um, we underestimated what was going to happen. <laughs> we hear this all the time. Um, and that underestimation, our goal was by this time, um, yeah, so when we started the company, we said, you know, two, two and a half years, um, our expectation was to be doing one machine a week. Um, when we were doing, you know, we, we were talking to customers about, and potential customers about uh, the size of equipment and the size of equipment we were planning on making, and people were like, that's nuts, that's too big, um, people don't need that for ages, and so we thought there would be a fairly low demand for this size of equipment um, until about now, um, and we were dramatically wrong. So uh, we, yeah, we did our best to get as many out the door as we possibly could, um, but we see it on the same side. Like I've got uh, organizations that I work with, and these are organizations with valuations of billions of dollars, and their extraction rooms are, you know, you know the size of a, a medium-sized bathroom, and they've got a you know little tiny um, two-liter or one-liter extraction system in the corner. Um, but profitability per square foot is their most profitable center of their entire organization, which is nuts. Um, and so they underestimated what extraction is going to be uh, to their business as well. Right, so super common to hear that. You know, I underestimated it. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Underestimated. That's well, yeah. <laughs> that way, well, <laughs> you didn't right. expect I us to hear that, but you know. say again. I'm sorry. Oh, I said. You know what? I don't think we've seen anything yet. Um, you know, as we look at this industry, look at what's happening in Canada with REC about to come up um, with Europe. Um, you know, the EU is just looking at uh, passing. Uh, blanket legislation there. It's, I, I, I think we're just getting started. And, and the U.S., right? Um, constitutional amendment um, hits at, what, 39 states? So I think down in the states, you guys are, or your, your Senate's going to be forced to address um, the legalization of cannabis in some form or fashion, I think probably early 2019. So, you know, I, be, I, it's, I, it's I, hope, I really hope the government actually does something other than, other than creating a 
convention of states to go ahead and put, put this together. I mean, at some point, um, the government just needs to take notice. Either stay out of the way, which is what I think the current administration. I mean, I'm, and this is, you know, can be disputed. Some people don't feel that way. But I do feel like the current administration does not want to interject no matter what the attorney general has said. And I do think mm-hmm. that the farm bill is something that should be, you know, hopefully will be passed. And that will definitely open some more doors for those uh, looking to go ahead and extract for hemp. So that will be a yeah, that's really exciting as well. positive sign, yep. too. Now, uh, about your products, where we can see you on the road next to maybe do a little showcasing or exhibiting, you know, your systems. Where can people find you coming up down the line? And where can we find you online? So the next big conference that we're going to be at is the um, MJ Biz Conference in Vegas, the the world's largest conference for cannabis. Um, we have a 20 by 42 story booth, and we'll be bringing the R200 into town. Plus, actually launching a couple of the ancillary equipment um, that uh, hasn't been introduced to the market yet, which um, we think is going to be game changing as well. So that'll be there um, for website. Vitalis ET as in extractiontechnology.com. Instagram tells a really good story of, you know, Vitalis' culture, the equipment that we're making, what our customers are making. Um, so you can see a lot there, and that's Vitalis Extraction Tech. So at Vitalis Extraction Tech for Instagram. And uh, yeah, and then anytime people want to just reach out, give us a call. We've, like I said, we've got a very interesting perch in this industry to see what's going on, um, very interesting perspectives. and if anybody just wants to, you know, talk a little bit further about extraction, we're always happy to help. We've got a, a big team, and that's what we're here for. All right. Well, Pete uh, Patterson, the COO and co-founder of Vitalis Extraction Technology, thank you so much for joining us. Real quickly, for folks, uh, to make sure that website, you know what it is, learn more about Vitalis Extraction Technology, go to the website, www.vitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvitalisvit